Hello, and welcome to another edition of Stories Sunday Brunch. On today's episode, we have my man, Andrew Builder. And I just got to say, I don't know many people with as many insane stories as this dude has. We touch on a few of them here. We, uh, we're going to save the really good ones for another one. And uh, yeah, I love this dude. He's one of the hardest working guys I know. And this is truly a special episode. This is one of the first ones we did, I believe, actually. So uh, yeah, enjoy it. Peace. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there on, he bro? is. What's up, dude? How are you? Dude, I uh, I haven't had a computer since college, so I'm using Autumn's, and oh I'm fucking God. bad at it. <laughs> dude, I haven't opened my computer in months. And it's funny because I was telling Kenny, like, I was like, of course Builder's the only motherfucker out of all the people I've been interviewing. Everybody's been, like, right on time, like, boom. And, of course, <laughs> we start this, like, five minutes late. That's just... Yeah. That's us. Dude. I've I like spent the last half hour like trying to dig out my in ears. I can't remember where I put them. I've been having an afternoon. Hey, it happens, man. You know that's that's the thing. We're not we're not used to this. That's why we need people like Kenny to make it. That's why I need somebody like Kenny to make this all work. Because if I didn't have him, this would not be a thing at all. I'd be like, oh, uh, I could record it on my iPhone for an interview, right? Oh man, yeah, but bless Kenny. Yeah, what dude, a good guy. Seriously, dude. How so? How have you been, man? What's up? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, it's like hard to say that I'm enjoying the downtime, but I'm trying to make the most of it, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, spending time with people I otherwise couldn't. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Same. That's definitely been, go- I think that that's been going around for everybody. It's, that's kind of been a theme, I feel like, cause I've been, you know, talking to a lot of people and yeah, it's, that's, everybody's kind of reconnecting with, with people. It seems like. And that's a cool yeah. thing, you know. I think it's I think it's dope. It's absolutely a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, man. But I'm also I'm like chomping at the bit. I'm ready to get back to it, you know. Yeah. Well, you know what we're gonna do? This is what we're gonna fucking do. We're gonna hop in the quantum tunnel and let's talk about meeting for the first time. Cause I remember it, it was so for people that are listening that may not know. I started working at Webster Hall in the summer of 2015. It was one of those things where I had gone to a show there and I ran into the production assistant. Production assistant? That was Larry's? Yeah, yeah. that's a that's yeah. a good title okay. for him. Production. He was Paul's coach's assistant, who I will be yes. talking to soon as well. But um, yeah, but basically I ran into him because, funny, full, little, little full circle, I went to go see Silverstein at Webster and it was the night of a crazy snowstorm. Yes. Like I went down there by myself, took the subway from, from the Bronx. And it was, it was, I was like, I'm just go, I, I'll go by myself. I don't care. Like I, I'll be hanging with them all night anyway. Like doesn't matter. And I remember running into Larry and he's like, yo, what's up? Like, wh- what are you doing here? I was like, oh man, I'm like seeing the boys. Like, you know, whatever. He's like, oh yeah, come backstage. Like, I'll show you where it is. Like whatever, whatever. And I hadn't seen Larry for years before that. Just because, you know, touring, man, you know, you, you don't yeah. run into people, but like not that much. In and out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like turns out he's like, yo, I'm hiring. Uh, I'm hiring here. Like, you know, I'm I'm pretty much like building a crew and, 
you know, such and such a person works here. And I was like, holy shit, like, you got all the homies here. Like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then fast forward to, like, it was a lot of, he, he hit me up a lot when it was, um, you know, the shifts where it was, like, a lot of people. But, like, for months, it was, like, for three months, I could never get in because I was on tour. And, like, he'd hit me up when I was, like, in fucking Europe or some shit. And I'm just like, well, dude, fuck, I wish. Like, I can't do it now. Yeah. But then it finally, it was Jesse J., Oh, that was a good show. And but I didn't work that show. I, you guys, I think you were on that. And yes. It was, and it, we did. It was Camelot, that metal band. They were uh, in the Marlin Room, right? Yes, it was Camelot. Um, what was that? Oh, what's that fucking metal band that was like? Was they Dragon did the Force, uh, Dragon Force? Yeah, through the Fire and Flames, that band. Yes, it was. <laughs> Dude, and I remember I worked that show, so I didn't. I, my first day at Webster, I was sweaty, like a, I was dying. But I also was like, well, I only had to load it up a few flights of stairs, not the yeah. whole way up the fucking thing. God, I can't believe we did that all the time. Dude, there was a. Obviously, now we're like 10 months into quarantine, nine, 10 months, and yeah. I'm so out of shape. And like getting up like the three flights of steps to my apartment, like <laughs> I'm like dying. And I think back, it's like that's not that long ago where like every day of my life was spent climbing those stairs with like 200 extra pounds attached to my left or right side yeah, of my body. Depending you know? on how much weight you wanted to lift with the case. Like, yeah. How were we allowed to do that? I mean, I'm glad we were because it was a great workout and I've made some lifelong friends from that but like that was crazy remember when there was like stuff that was too or we didn't have enough handles on it and it was just like oh yeah get the straps we're just gonna like oh yeah we'll just rope it up dude it was <laughs> that was just the def webster hall back in those days back in i think i would say the year 2015 right is that fair to say like maybe end, yeah end of 2014 into 20 well, from up until it closed, I'd say, because, you know, I was just, I was gone after that. I moved. But yeah, Webster was like. Did you move towards the end? No, I moved uh, the fall of 2016. I moved to California. Damn. And then Kenny, but that's the thing. I moved and I was then like. Kenny, Kenny came in. I was like, yeah. Kenny, you're, you're tagged in. Like, go down there. I was like, his first shift was Green Day, right? Like, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Well, that's kind of sort of like the story of that era of Webster Hall where, uh, one, everybody was a homie mm -hmm. and Larry did a really good job at making sure that everybody was like, whether they were like somebody like Wayne or mm -hmm. Dave, that's like in a band that wound like Wayne was playing the ballroom and working at the same time, Yeah, you know, and then guys like me who we're sort of like more from the DIY scene. That's where Larry knew me from. And he mm -hmm. picked me like out at a party once because my shitty local band wrote a song uh -huh. like calling out and like really just kind of asking for beef from like his friends. And he was like, yo, you wrote that song. And I was like, yeah, and he was <laughs> like, I like that. Like we're, we're boys now. Like uh, that's how Larry and I came. So he really did I a good job that. of like, melding those two worlds he did man like larry is like 
Larry was like invaluable. Without Larry, that doesn't happen. Like, yeah, he was he was the Nick Fury of the operation. For yo, sure. he was. Dude. No, wait, no, I think Coach would have had to be the Nick Fury, right? Uh, yeah, I. Or is Coach like I mean, Doctor Strange? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say too much about coach because I know you're going to have him on here and, and well, honestly for anybody yeah. that listens, like, yeah. uh, the man speaks for himself. I can only say so many good things about him. Dude, yeah. Um, he's, uh, the dude's a legend and I don't want to, I don't want to steal his thunder. I want him to have all that, but, oh. um, yeah, man. So like it was really, uh, so I got there in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't on the original, uh, Momo's, you call sheet. Yeah. I was uh, I like a second round Momo. Gotcha. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously it evolved and Paul did a pretty good job. You know, after everybody was established there, he kind of really like slotted people into where they uh, worked best, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, th- those, those days I'll remember fondly forever uh, that, uh, I was working the spotlight for that Jesse J show. So right. that's yeah. right. Me and Spagoo were oh, all man. the way up in the balcony while you were, were sweating it out with Dragon God. Force. Yeah. Well, I remember that because um, my friend, well, actually she wasn't my friend then, but she's like, you know, she's like a homie and acquaintance now. Uh, her name's Tabitha. She lives in Dallas and she was doing merch for the headline the camelot i think it was i don't know my memory is not that great but i remember she was doing merch for them so and it was funny because this was i remember this moment this was hilarious because like you know Derek, he's a fucking ball buster but they were i was down there and i was kind of like looking at the merch and just like seeing what it was and like you know tabitha was you know talking and we were like having a like little chat and um and I was like, oh, my name's Danny, by the way. Like, nice to meet you. And she's like, oh, I know who you are. You're Danny Donuts. And I was like, what? And then Derek, of course, was like, oh, Danny Donuts. I was like, God damn it. I was like, you son of a bitch. Oh, man. That was my first day at Webster. But I remember I started, I started, it was like that summer, but I was still on tour with Gaslight. And then once Gaslight wrapped up, like they went on their little break, I hit up Larry and I was like, yo, like, look, not for nothing. Like I kind of want to take a break. I haven't been off in, you know, as long as I've been doing this, like, you know, whatever, like 13 years, 12, 13 years, I think I'm going to take it, take some time off to just chill. Um, would I be able to like get regular shifts at Webster? Like, you know, I, I was talking like three days a week and he was like, yo, I could definitely get you in. Like, you know, you know, you've been doing, it's been going over well. Like, and at that point I had already been friends with a few of you guys. Like we had like had rapport. I think we had gone to blockheads a couple times already. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, Larry was like, yeah, he's like, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be able to get you in. And then I was like, well, how about this? I was like, Brian still doesn't have a tour manager for next year. So you help me out. I'll, help you out and a little quid pro quo yeah like if because i was like well i i had to ask him i was like do you even want to go on the road again like is that like yeah he was like yes i would love to so it was one of those things to where it worked out for both of us because we were you know he was itching to get on the road and i was kind of like i'm gonna stay off the road for a little bit yeah that's kind of webster sort of was like a pit stop for a lot of guys so we're like i need a 
I need a break from touring mm-hmm. because working at Webster was sort of, it was like being on tour uh, with a different band every day, but you got to go sleep in your own bed and shower frequently. But the same crew. And that was amazing Yeah, because it's like anything. It's like, I think Webster Hall is a lot like tour to where, you know, that's for dudes like us for, you know, and people that tour just everybody in general, you kind of need that like interaction every day. Like, I could tell you, man, like on almost every tour I've done, I've had at least one meaningful interaction every day. You know how many days that is? It's crazy. There's so many of it. And at Webster Hall, it's the same thing. I can remember something from every show at Webster Hall. If somebody asked me like, okay, what about this show? What about this one? Like, oh, easily. Yeah. And all right. So let's go back to that time in 2015. Then speaking of which I remember this. So this is my memory and I want to hear Cause I've been talking a lot. I need you to start talking. So, okay. I remember I got the job at Webster and I was on like right away. Like one of my first shows in the fall was that, I mean, I had done a few shows before this, like after I had been off tour, but one of the first shows I did was the Snoop Dogg show. And oh my lord! That was the show that you were suspended for. You got suspended for a week. So let's yeah. let's hear it. Let's talk about it. Why did you get suspended <laughs> for a week? So this is I I can't even say I like grew out of this. It's just how I function. Yes. Um, I'm a I'm a loudmouth for sure. Mm-hmm. And on this, I can't remember the show that this happened on. Whatever it was, it was like a small show and. Uh, there was an SIR delivery coming through with like minimal backline. It wasn't like a big production or anything. Uh-huh. And I had been out the night before, <laughs> as is the case with like every show I've ever worked. Yep. <laughs> and I was like a little late, which is sort of out of character for me. But like the environment at Webster was so forgiving for yeah. that. Like nobody was like a total uh asshole about those things like everybody understood like you live in the city the subway is fucked all the time yeah and you know if you're not partying then what are you doing so i showed up and it was like 11 or noon and i like exclaimed maybe too loud (laughs) uh in front of the drummer of kill your idols who was doing the delivery for that day Uh i was like i was like oh man i am still drunk (laughs) immediately hopped on the truck and started taking shit off and that did not sit well with some people and i was uh suspended (laughs) is is a good way to put it i was taken off you were asked to not come in for a week you were given the week off (laughs) yeah i got to i got to sit home and play video games for a week which uh who would have thought that would have been a punishment but honestly like every every waking moment i was like and this was just the environment of webster i was like i want to be there like uh what a what a dumb thing to Mm -hmm. do and it's like i probably wasn't even actually drunk i think i was just trying to be like a yeah. funny guy. Yeah, and I, you definitely you know. were. You're you're not. Yeah, you're not one of those dudes that like fucks up like on the job. Like that's never been the case. I don't think any of us were. Like yeah, you know. But we, at the same at the same time, it's like it wasn't out of the realm of reality for like dudes to show up like maybe a little buzzed, a little hungover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, because we had some fucking early shifts, bro. Like, remember the day? Yeah, man. Remember the day? 
Did you work this day, the day I brought the Enforced Webster Hall shirts from Violent Gentlemen? Yes. That Did you work that early-ass shift with us at, like, 3 a.m.? It was, like, yeah, the fucking... Dude, it was, it was dark as shit. That was the I, same you, like, night. You, yeah. you broke it out as the sun was rising, right? Yes. Like I some shit like, like that, dude. Because oh. I knew it. I, that was like my thing. I was like, all right, like this is going to be like the worst day. Because I'd had it for a few days. I was like, oh, I'm going to wait. But I was like, let's go. Let's do it on the, on the worst day. That's going to be the longest day. Because that was also the same night we had to dance on stage with fucking. Um, uh, oh, DNC. Yes, yeah. exactly, bro. <laughs> So that was like the longest day ever, and we all probably like smelled terrible because you know. Well, actually, no. I think we all we all brought deodorants, but still, it's definitely we were not. In our, oh, oh man, <laughs> yeah, we were up all day, and it was just insane. But I remember like bringing those shirts and being like, "Yo, here are the hoodies, here are the shirts, like cool, like get after it." And it was fucking sick. That was so awesome, <laughs> dude. That was I forgot that was the same day as that. Uh, Big shout out to Dan Lipsky, who Lipsky. we can talk about later. I get yeah. I get frequent updates about him, Good. and he seems to be doing pretty well. But uh, Good man. that dude's a, a legend, mm-hmm. and oh man, it's like you couldn't have written a better like script if it was even in a movie. Like the thirty of us in like <laughs> all in the same fucking uh, violent gentleman garb. Yep, walking into Madison Square Garden uh, to dress up as Santa Claus, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, and so we're, like, ushered in the the entrance where, like, all the celebrities and artists are going, and, like, somebody was in a elevator with Hugh Jackman and, uh, like, all this shit. But something that stands out to me as, like, maybe the most monumental part of that night is we're in the Rangers locker room, that's where they put us to change. And you, you creep, go, <laughs> you go into Lundquist's locker and smell it and are very proud of this. You're like, oh, dude, I just smelled Lundquist's locker. And then the Rangers, like, go on a terrible losing streak. And uh, as, a, as an Islanders fan, that was just like to witness, to witness that happen. Hey guys, here at Stories, we support family-owned small businesses. With that said, we want to promote our friends over at Purgatory Roasters in Middletown, Connecticut, and they want to give you a discount on their amazing coffee. Use the code STORIES for 15% off your purchase at purgatoryroasters.com. They are open for in-person service as well at their facility in Middletown, Connecticut. It's in the Factory Square building. So if you're on the East Coast, check that out. Also, they're all about punk rock and skateboarding and... And I'm all about both those things, and I love their coffee. It is amazing. Check it out. Get the discount. 15% off stories. PurgatoryRoasters.com. I love that, like, you were there to witness it. So, like, that, because I've told people this story, and they're like, you're, that, that's bullshit. That never happened. And, like, I love that you were there. You saw the moment happen to where I was like, oh, and I did Zuccarello too. I sniffed both their lockers. <laughs> and then they went on, like, a 13 game losing streak. It was, like, oh, literally dude. the next game they played. It was just like, they, they were done. I was, I, and I, oh, God. You dick. Yeah, man. 
Oh. And I'm, obviously, you you being a weirdo had nothing to do with that. But <laughs> no. it was just like we would be sitting out at lunch and be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I can't believe I did this." <laughs> like, yeah, you're like, like really upset. Oh, like, it was awesome. It all like, oh, it was awful. But I mean, that's the thing, man. We have so many like, oh god, like, all right. So again, we're gonna have to do another episode because this is already gonna go. This could go for five hours. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Metallica at Webster Hall. Oh, dude, I got the uh, I got the album. Oh, right up on the wall right there. Well, yo, I have the guitar picks. Actually, I don't know where they went. Damn it, I actually probably lost them. But I had the guitar picks for Metallica. <laughs> They're somewhere. But oh, man. Right, so I'll tell you my I'll tell everybody my little portion of this, and you know then I want it all from you because at the time you were like, because Larry was on tour, you were the production assistant at that point. So you were like the guy there. Yep. So me and Larry were on tour. It was uh, Brian Fallon and Ryan Bingham's co-headlining tour in the fall of 2016. I had, I was just about, I was moving to California right after that tour, right before Europe. And on the tour, it was, going great it was like we were having a great time and i um like we hear that metallica's playing webster hall and larry's like holy fuck like metallica's playing webster hall this is fucking insane and we're like shit like when is it so (laughs) the universe spoke and it ended up being on the day off before our terminal five show so we had a day off in new york well, in Secaucus, in New Jersey, where all the buses park all the time. Mm-hmm. We had a day off there, and, like, yeah. And then New York City the next day. So, a couple of the guys went home and were, like, did their thing. But me and Brad and Larry decided to work the show. So, because, you know, we, yeah. we I texted Coach, and I was like, hey, are you, are you, like looking for people to work this Metallica show? And he was like, yes. And I was like, would you want Brad to work too? He's like, yes. It was just like, yes, yes. I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. So we work the show. Let's, you, you give me the rest of it. <laughs> so uh, from the start of that day, one, I think it's awesome. Again, like this, this just really speaks to the culture of Webster at that time. We're like, think of any, other job you've worked where on uh like a day off from tour you'd be like oh i'm gonna go work that job like there's not a single job on the planet whereas like webster is like you know like it doesn't hurt that it was metallica but like (laughs) that's the kind of place where it's like oh shit like i happen to have a day off in like the new york metropolitan area like and there's a show that i can work at webster hall i'm gonna go do that yeah um Dude, from the start of that day, it was, I've never seen a more professional crew before or since to the point where like, I honestly wish I could go with like a time machine and a film crew and like shoot a documentary and, and put it out to be like, this is how crews on tour should behave. Yes. Like this is how you run a show. So you think like Metallica is this, huge band probably one of the most important bands of all time Mm -hmm. and they're playing webster hall which is a 1500 cap club like Mm -hmm. this is a huge undersell for them you know yeah it's a fan club show yeah yeah and 
like I don't have to tell you, but no, for anybody everybody. listening, like there, there are tons of bands that show up and they're like, this is the whole show. This has to go in the, you know, like all this shit and Metallica was just like, all right, like this thing's important. Like, as long as this gets up, that's cool. Like, and then we'll figure it out. So we got up their enormous old analog console for mm-hmm. front of house. Yep. And then everything else was just like regular band gear. And, uh, we like loaded their 53 foot semi up the stairs in 45 minutes, which was like a record at the yes. time. Yes. Upstairs. I, <laughs> up the yeah, stairs. Dude. So everybody knows <laughs> up, up the stairs, which is the thing. It's like when you're in a big, when you have a big production and you're going somewhere that's like smaller than you would typically play it really does benefit you to like not try to cram everything in there. Like Mm -hmm. your show will run better for it. If you just bring like the essential shit you need. And part of what I think about is like their LD just rolling up and being like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to use any of my lights. Like I'll just use what the house has. Whoa, really? I don't remember that. Dude, that was real life. Like he, dude, he was just like, uh, leave my lights on the truck. Like I'm just going to use what's in house. And like Eric Morris, Who's now with Anderson Pac? Oh, okay. Uh, and he did. Uh, oh, dude, you should get him on here. Oh uh, man, not, yeah. Not to diverge. Yeah. He could talk about being on tour with Michelle Obama, and that's like another. Whoa, thing. that's insane. We'll talk about that uh, later. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, he like went with Eric, and Eric just showed him where the the desk was, mm-hmm. like the uh, the lighting desk, and he ran the whole show just like he programmed it there on the fly, ran it, and I remember as people were leaving, like we were packing up their shit. Mm -hmm. I like saw him coming down and I like, whatever I was doing, I like dropped. And like, this is like my fanboy moment. I'm such a, like, I picked like the weirdest guy to fanboy over (laughs) Metallica's LD. Like (laughs) I stopped and I like ran to him. I'm like, dude, that was amazing. Like I never seen a light show, like quite encapsulated performance like that. With just house lights. (laughs) Just house lights. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. And like the way Webster was set up with, uh, we had that big octagon for, mm-hmm. for DJ nights primarily. And like no touring crew ever really touched it. Like Metallica's LD used every light in house. Like as shit was going on, on stage, like I noticed like all the fucking strobes around and all the lights on the octagon. Like he really incorporated all of it. And it's just like that, like, True pro, he you know he could have bitched and complained that there wasn't enough space on stage for his whole lighting rig, but instead he like was just like ah oh, nah fuck it like I'm gonna use what you have, dude. I re- and now I'm remembering that like yeah we didn't really bring up like I remember Loden being like con- incredibly underwhelming. We were like oh yeah man that's <laughs> it. But then um well we're me and Brad are friends with uh, Sarah uh there um. It's what, what, what I'm trying to think of the proper title of her job. She sets up the dressing room and she's kind of like, like uh, it's pretty much like hospitality, like, but she works very closely with them and stuff. Yeah. She's like a artist liaison. Yeah. But like on tour, you know, mm. but um, yeah. So she does that and she was like, all right, you and Brad, like come with me. And like, remember, I remember Brad got sent out with you to do laundry and like oh, dude. Dude, me and Spagoo, uh, the production manager who ended up like saying something 
saying incredibly like kind words about us afterwards that were so great. Yeah, oh yeah, there was that Facebook post. Yeah, but he was like, I remember like, we'll talk about the Facebook post in a second, but he said to me and Spagna, I'll never forget, like it was all loaded in and they were kind of like doing their thing on stage. The techs were like getting their shit set up and like everything was kind of in place. And the production manager like turns to me and Spagna and he's like, all right guys, so just go up there and just start putting up this, uh, the drape, the just, you know the cover. Uh, what's that thing called? The blackout. The kabuki or no? The black just blacking out the. The duve. Yeah, the duve. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. They were like, he was like, yeah, just get up there and use the duve and cover up all the, you know, the guitar text cases and all this shit. And we're like, what? Just get in their way? And he's like, no, they'll they'll move for you. Don't worry. But like, you know, even like at my age, after doing this for so long, I still like walked on stage and I was like uh hey excuse me like can we and of course like hetfield's guitar tech was like oh yeah cool you want oh yeah we can move this like yeah no problem just i'm gonna pick this up and then oh here you guys want some guitar picks and we're just like uh, uh yeah be like it was such a cool Dude. moment but like they that's the thing it's like they know that people so they're kind of like throwing it out there right away like hey let's not make this awkward we know that this is cool for you it's still cool for us have some guitar picks and let's just work together Total pros, man. I can't speak highly enough about them. Nah, like, man. That day was, that was eye-opening mm -hmm. for me, uh, especially because I was like, when was that, 2016? I bet it probably says up here. It was 2016, yeah, yeah the fall. Yeah. Uh, at that point, I'm kind of like two years in. I'm still pretty green, you know? Yeah, man. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to bury anybody on here, but... I had like some shitty experiences with some artists mm -hmm. and like had some shitty experiences with some crews that is just like, you know, they'll turn your, their fucking nose up at you and they like, don't appreciate what it is you're doing. And it's like, yeah, we're literally breaking our backs on these stairs. You know, yeah. we had some, we, yeah, we had some bad apples for sure. And we won't mention names, but you, they know who yeah. they are, you know, and I'm sure other, other people can, you know, like that one, like I told, like, we're not going to mention the name, but we can tell what happens. And this still pisses me off so much to this day. The, the whole, like, oh, we're not there yet moment. Yeah, that was, you know, I, I'm like half and half on it. It's, uh, it's kind of funny in retrospect because now that that's like a really good story to tell, Yeah. but also it's, it is just like the pinnacle of like shithead you know, can you tell the story without mention? You could tell the story without mentioning the name. You could just say it was the X. It was a show one day. So tell, tell, tell what happened. So I'm super green at this show. I'm like three months into working at Webster. Okay. okay. And I'm, uh, I'm like literally put through the ringer. Their tour manager is this super eccentric dude from across the pond. Mm -hmm. And, I'm like terrified all day that this dude's going to snap and kill me. <laughs> and, you know, like whenever he would send me out to like, I don't know, get whatever, you know, yeah. the, Oh, the drummer is uh, got low blood sugar. So like, go get some juice and mm -hmm. I'd go get some juice. And he's like, this isn't enough juice. Go get back, go get more juice. And it's like, at, you know, I'm coming back with like six gallons of juice for this guy. Yeah. And you like shit like that, where it's like, Oh, I need you to get me a coffee and it needs to be like this. You need to have the cocoa on it. And, and I'm like, Oh my God, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> so it's like, it's like that all day rapid right. fire. 
And now I'm finally in the green room and I, you know, I'm like exhausted and I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like staring at this tour manager who's like giving my next set of instructions and just very nonchalantly. He's like, oh, and there's uh, there's the lead singer of the band. And I was like, oh, OK, like, what do you do when you meet somebody? And I like reach out to like shake his hand and he just mm-hmm. goes like, nope. You're not there yet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is like, it is absolutely a shitty thing to do. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it's a fun story to tell. Yeah. But it's also like, it's a lesson where like that guy, th- nobody ever talks about anything other than that story. When we bring up that show, that's what people talk about yeah. versus we talk about Metallica and it's like, I could think of a million things, like a thousand praises, not just like one guy was super shitty. And that's a lesson I think a lot of people should take. Like mm-hmm. no matter where you are on like the spectrum, like if you're playing arenas or if you're playing clubs or if you're doing like really small shows, like treat the crew with like uh, the slightest bit of respect and it will go the longest way, you know? Yeah. It's it's true, man. And I feel like I learned a lot more about that by working at Webster because I would always complain about venue crews like, you know, at certain points. And sometimes there's just venue crews that suck. But let me tell you, I remember all the fucking venue crews that are awesome, you know? Yes. Like, it's... And yeah, I think about all those people that were like, you know, went above and beyond and just were, you know like actually brought the merch boxes in like, but I also remember the assholes like where I had to send them home and, or, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a couple times where maybe I could have been a little nicer about it and like pulled the person aside, but you know, I'm, you know where I'm from. I'm from New York, bro. So I was like, uh, excuse me. (laughs) Like, Oh, you don't touch cardboard. Well, can you take this in then? And they're like, no, I don't touch cardboard. I'm like, okay and then i would be like you can go home for the day and it's like what what i'm like yeah "Yeah, no you go home like i'm gonna go talk to my tour manager and then i would get on the radio right there and be like depending on what tour i was like hey um we're sending a stagehand home today like see if they have somebody on standby that can come in and you do that people like it like they look at you and they're just like uh oh shit it's because it's like, it's at the end of the day, it's all about respect. And like, if you're not going to be respectful and like, if you're going to like treat merch, like it's a piece of shit, like, you know, like you can't do that. That's not, that's absolutely, man. That doesn't fly. Every, everybody on the crew is, is doing their part, you know, local Mm -hmm. and touring, but they're doing their part to make the show happen, you know, from, uh, from, from merch to front of house really. And it's like, I know the touring crews that when they come to New York and I get the call, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, absolutely not. I don't want to work for them. Like I won't do it. Doesn't matter what the money is. And like when I'm on tour, yeah. like I know the venues where it's like, all right, like I better, I better get a good night's rest because tomorrow's going to be a shit show because you know, like this is the crew that's, you know, this, that, and the other. It's like those things. Yeah. And, and we're being polite on here, but it's like, when the cameras are off and nobody's recording names do get dropped and, and reputations, yeah. uh, you know, like you don't, you don't want to be known as the guy 
to like the entire music industry as like a shitty guy to work with, or as like somebody that doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And like, similarly, like you've gotten guys sent home. I could think of like dudes that I've like inadvertently gotten kicked off tours, you know? Yeah, man. Because it, 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 that's the thing in the real world, it, there's consequences because this is not a podcast where we're going to fucking call people out and be like, you did this. It's more of like, Hey man, we actually do know the names and the, the actions of the people that are lazy and just don't, you know, just don't have the best intentions in mind. And like, of course me being like, I'm not going to fucking shout them out here. You know, yeah. one of those things to where, why that's a waste of time, but it's, like maybe hopefully like people when it does come back they get like a little fire lit under their ass to be you know absolutely man like all right this got taken away and now we have to work hard to get it back you know gotta do the the course correction you know yeah definitely man but all right so let's let's talk about because you started touring you did the reverse of me. You worked at Webster first and then started touring, whereas yeah. I did the other way. So how did you come to tour with uh, Two Feet, Bill? Bill, uh, it's so the the story kind of like even predates Webster in a sense where uh, way back when there's this guy, Dreads, <laughs> who i believe seven dust shadows fall yeah anybody with dreads seven dust uh, <laughs> uh he's tming this band finch and my mm -hmm. buddy travis is doing their merch mm -hmm. and i get a call like hey we're on warp tour uh you know, this is our last day, whatever the Jersey day was like, we'll list you like, could you give us a ride back to New York? And I was like, Oh yeah, that, mm -hmm. that's cool. And that's mm -hmm. when I first meet Paterno. Right. So there's sort of like, you know, like he's fucking exhausted and I'm driving him back yeah. to Queens from wherever the fuck of we course. were in New Jersey. But like, yeah. you can't forget him. You know, no, you cannot forget him. <laughs> so I don't even remember what year this is, but like, I, th I have to imagine like two years, two, three years later, I'm working at Webster and on one of my first shifts, like there's this fucking guy that was in my <laughs> backseat down to his, he has dreads down to like past his ass. I think at this point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. They're definitely past his ass by this point. <laughs> yeah, he's a beautiful Italian man with a full head of hair, and he grew dreadlocks. And we—I don't think he's ever going to cut them. And we make fun of him all the time, but we love him. So, yeah. Anyway, continue. So I'm like—I've said it on this before. Like I was green as hell. Like I didn't know what the mm -hmm. hell I was doing, but I recognized this dude, and uh, I kind of turned him sort of like, and like thankfully he was like really awesome and and like. Mm -hmm guided me you know mm. and you know i formed this like big brother little brother relationship with him to the gotcha. point that it really like it grew to a point where i don't want to get too dark but like i was in a rough patch in my life mm -hmm. and i needed uh some like serious help and guidance and i wound up moving in with him mm -hmm. so like we're we're kind of just like taken each necessary step in my relationship with Paterno 
And uh, mm-hmm. eventually, you know, like now we're living together, things are going well. And he gets this job offer to work for this new artist called Two Feet. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember listening to like some of the really early tracks. And, mm-hmm. you know, because Paterno is, uh, he's like a front of house guy. And, you know, even before I started working at Webster, I was you know, playing in bands and I wouldn't call myself a gearhead, but like, he would be like, Oh, listen to this song. Like what kind of amp do you think we should buy? You know, like, mm, okay. so even before I met Bill, uh, I was sort of like privy to some of the going ons in like his career. Mm-hmm. So fast forward again, like they do, uh, I believe they go on this tour as a support to this artist called Jane. Um, okay. And then, like, it, this kid is just growing so rapidly that, like, mm. he goes from one support tour to doing a headliner, mm. and they need an LD. So, like, all the LDs I know at this point, you know, like I mentioned Eric Morris before, like, by this time, mm. he was doing lights on Michelle Obama's book tour. So it's like, I, could, I, I can't reach out to that guy for the budget that yeah yeah of course so i straight up was just like you know what like i'll do it i'll do his lights like i know nothing about it but it's something i wanted to learn <laughs> and uh paterno like a good friend was like all right like this is our guy this is our ld yeah and <laughs> i met him a single time at like a rehearsal studio in midtown mm-hmm. and then we went to uh baby's all right in brooklyn to do like some rehearsal before we leave for tour and mm. I'm shown like the very I don't want to be mean but like they don't have a very sophisticated lighting desk at Baby's Alright <laughs> and it certainly wasn't going to be anything I was using on tour but this guy's like yeah. oh here it is and like I'm I'm trying my hardest to pretend I'm like a professional and know what I'm doing and I'm like oh yes hmm, you know looking at the desk and I finally start getting the lights to do some shit and I like fake it to the point where he's like wow that looks great like that's awesome and like I'm writing the songs down and like oh these will be the colors I use like I'm totally totally just you know pretending I know what I'm doing and then we fly (laughs) out you made it work I did make it work. work I f- yeah dude we flew out to LA and our first show mm. was at the El Rey and it was being filmed mm. for uh, Carson Daly's late night show whatever the hell it was last call or after the yep, bell yep, or- yep. yeah whatever <laughs> good night <laughs> yeah good something, night, something ridiculous and uh, yeah and then I had to take the house LD at the El Rey out to lunch and apologize to her profusely because I needed her to hold my hand like a little child and show me how to do everything. But she showed you how to do everything. right? Dude, She was awesome. Uh, and, uh, the second night we were at a smaller venue and mm-hmm. I wasn't as fortunate. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sitting there like desperately trying to get my lights to turn on and I can't figure it out. And I just remember Bill comes up to me. He's like, yeah, man, I'm not worried. Like you've proven yourself to be pretty good at this. And like in my head, I'm like, how did I get here? Hey, do you guys like Pilsners? Do you like IPAs? Do you like stouts? Do you like beer in general? If yes, then we have the place for you. 
be sure to visit decadentales.com to browse their current selection available for pickup and shipping. And make sure to use the code STORIES for 10% off your order. That's S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S for 10% off your order. They currently ship to 10 states plus Washington, D.C. Or you can visit their tap room located in Mamaroneck, New York, a short 30-minute train ride from New York City. Once again, that code is STORIES, S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S, and follow Deccan and Ailes on Instagram. Dude, that's that's how it happens, man. You just kind of, I mean, it's kind of in a theme. Like a lot of people have said it. Like it takes a th- certain kind of person to tour, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's like there's definitely, and I'm not mentioning names, but there's definitely dudes at Webster that I would never put on tour. Oh yeah, you should never go on tour in your life. But you and like Spagna, because he was in fucking Antarabe, and like yeah, you know, yeah. people like that, Juba, obviously, like Floyd. Like I'm dropping all the names here. Like, those <laughs> all guys the boys are like all the boys, man. That's that's only a few of the boys, but those guys are built for tour. Like yes. you know, it's you know we're we're kind of accustomed to that. Yeah. But I I so let's talk about New Webster a little bit because remember it was closed down for how many years? Like two years. Uh, it went down in 2017 and then was up. 2019 it didn't make it a year it it was open april 2019 i believe what really yeah i think so holy shit wow it did that's it didn't make it a full year like that seems like so long ago it's crazy so i know right okay so let's let's talk about like i'll tell you my side and then i want to hear your side of this so I remember like you hitting me up and this is kind of how a lot of things in my life have worked out and it's kind of funny because, but not anymore. Now I have to make things happen, but like for a while things just kind of fell into my lap. So I remember Webster was opening up and you were hitting me up and you're like, yo, there's this job fair. There's this, like send your email into this to get hired. Like this is how you're going to get hired at the new Webster hall. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, cool. Uh huh. Totally. Not doing any of it and just like going on tour and just being like, well, I'm busy, like mm. whatever, like uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. Fast forward to April. You just hit me up and you're like, Hey, uh, do you want to work to get Webster open for this Jay-Z show? Like we need people starting like tomorrow. And I was like, Oh yeah, sure. Like I could do that. <laughs> so totally just out of nowhere. Like it's like, all right, cool. We're working, we're working to get the Jay-Z show happening. So, um, all right, actually, like, I'll let you kind of wrap on what was happening then. And then I'll send, I'll, I'll give my little story on the night of the Jay-Z show and the morning of the, oh my show. God, dude, what a, <laughs> what a disaster. Um, uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it positive. So yeah. I, I got a phone call. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like, hey, I hear you're the guy that could get a crew together, which was sort of the oh. reputation I, you know, built for myself. Um, yeah. Just in general around the city where it's like, if you have something that needs eight people to get done and you have no people, <laughs> like, I'll find you the other seven, you know, like, I'll be yeah. the eighth guy and I'll find you seven guys and we'll get the job done. Exactly. So... 
we uh we started going into webster before it reopened uh as they were like rebuilding the pa and all of the uh finer because they had like they had gutted and changed the structure of the building to meet ADA laws and mm-hmm. uh, had like redesigned the Marlin room into the Ritz lounge. Like all that stuff we wouldn't have been good at doing anyway had been done. And now it's like, we got to get the technical shit together or otherwise we're not going to have a show. And I guess they somehow like secured Jay-Z <laughs> to be the, uh, like the opener for the reopening. Yeah. And like, I don't know why they pushed it through like this because it really made things so, so hard and difficult, but I guess it like, this must've been the only day that he could have done it. Mm. Yeah, And I can't, you know, like whatever I, you know, I'm not going to argue like, jay-z versus the second person that played like i don't even know who it was you know like that's how big jay-z is <laughs> like so we're there i'm doing like 18 hour shifts leading up to the reopening like really like i'm building cables i'm doing all this shit with all these guys and uh we're like getting down to the wire and i'm they're like really pressuring me like hey we need more guys we need more guys and i'm like all right well like we're going to have to, they're like showing me all these names. Like this person came to the job fair. And I was like, enough with the job. Like, I understand that this corporation does this like weird bureaucratic thing, but like, we're not hiring these people with no experience to do this big show. Like I'm going to reach out to the people that I know, know what the fuck's good. And we're going to make this show happen. And like, thank God they, they kind of like, backed off and let me do that because we had to do some insane things like there wasn't enough electricity on the in the building <laughs> on the roof remember that fucking day yeah. on the roof where we we <laughs> had to run fuck? like a cat power generator from third avenue around the block up the roof you know like that's what it was, it was that was what powered the show because they didn't the electrical yes. aspect of it wasn't finished yet Dude, me and Kenny, I remember Kenny was like basically pulling back the slack and I was leaning over the side of the fucking building, looking down into the alley below, like 30 stories below, pulling up fucking like feeder cable. Yeah. With like, it was, what the fuck were we doing? (laughs) It was crazy. It was totally insane the way that show came together. I cannot believe it came together the way it did. That's absurd. Dude, well, I can't yeah, believe it happened. It popped off. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. And it was definitely like, but we slept there that night. Yes. I mean, I'll, so this is, this is my piece of this. So I remember the show was done. We had loaded out. It was like, what was it? Like four or five in the morning. Oh my God, dude. Four or five in the morning. And we had load in was what time? Like 9 a.m. the next day. Very, very so, quick turnaround. Very, very quick turnaround from like Jay-Z right into Dylan Francis. So the next day, fucking like, I mean, well, no, that night, me and you were just fucking drinking beers after we're done. We're just like sitting on the floor in the fucking middle of Webster Hall. Yeah. Just like, yo, like, or no, we were sitting on the stage. We're like, yeah, like that was fucking sick. So then... Me and you both go to the different dressing rooms. I go to the dressing room on stage right. You go to the one on stage left. 
I pass out on the couch, wake up, you know, three hours later. And I, I had Instagram at the time. So I'm looking at my phone and there's a photo of Jay-Z and Beyonce popping a bottle of champagne in the dressing room that I'm sleeping in. And behind me is the couch that is getting sprayed with the <laughs> champagne that they're popping. And I'm just like, cool, I'm sleeping in uh, Beyonce's champagne. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, if that dressing room could talk. The, the dressing room you specifically slept in, I have. Yeah. I personally have a ton of memories of like yeah. insane shit but, that's happening. <laughs> but the dressing room you slept in was the one that Halsey, God bless her, great thank you again for all that my hero did like fuck you're the you're the shit she was cool as fuck back then and she's still cool as fuck from what i see i don't know her personally but i remember her walking around barefoot in that dressing room and when we were like going up to like take stuff down and i was like oh don't do that no don't barefoot not not the thing don't don't do that in this dressing room it's gross (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah man leave all your shoes on in that (laughs) particular Yeah, like, yeah, do not walk around barefoot in Webster Hall ever. Like, don't ever do that. Oh, dude. Yeah, man, that was a fucking, that was a crazy time for sure. Yeah, I could go, like you said before, like, we could talk about it for five hours. So we'll save save some of the more insane stuff for, like, another one way down the road. Yeah, way down the road when we can uh, get a little bit more R-rated, we can fucking, uh, we 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 could talk about some, well, I mean, there was actually no really R-rated moments happening there. It was more like we'd be making fun of people, I guess, like young, like young Forrest, who we love. Yeah, yeah. I've, what a what a soul. <laughs> and Brooklyn Steel, man, like going from like how about like there's a whole other thing we could talk about about how like Webster Hall was done, and then you got fu- like you were tasked with finding Brooklyn Steel people, right? Kind of. Yeah. Uh, so. There was the day that LaSala pulled us all aside and was like, hey, Webster Hall's been sold. And we found out, yeah. the production crew found out way before the rest of the staff. And that's just because we were like a tight family and they knew. Yeah. They knew like by the time it was officially announced, there wouldn't be recovery. And it's like, yeah, a lot of us had turned that into our fucking careers. Like I had yeah, just yeah. signed my lease in Queens with Paterno like a month before that thinking like I was going to die in this venue. And, uh, so like they had the courtesy to give us the heads up and we're like, yo, this is what's going down. And around this time, one of the front of house engineers, Bill Emmons, who works with coach now up at, uh, the Capitol, he like pulled me aside. He was like, you have to get in touch with this dude, Evan, He's running this new venue. It's kind of, it's going to be called Brooklyn steel. And, uh, you know, I was like, all right, great. Like, so I got his number and I reached out to him and, you know, I had like a two minute conversation with him. That's all it took. It was just like, <laughs> Hey, like you're running a venue. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I run a crew. And he's like, okay, cool. And then, like, I was like, all right, bye. And I fucking like left. Dude. And that was it. Like, it was like, you know how like you could just judge character, I guess. Like, yeah. It was like one of those moments where he didn't need to, yeah. you know. Well, wasn't that like, wasn't it Crystal who pretty much at Webster was like, yo, she, yo. she had something to do with it because she was, uh, yeah. she was on her way up the ladder. Yes. And exactly. Craig uh, Freeman, the front of house engineer also put in a good word. Right. 
Right. Yeah, because like Crystal, I remember like when we worked there in Old Webster, she was a bartender. Yes. And then she came back as like the fucking, you know, the powerhouse. Yeah. So I think her remembering us and like just, you know, how we all got along back in the day, that also like was a big help to like she's uh back. She's awesome, man. Uh and the fact like the fact that she was uh, so ready to go to bat for us at every turn would like really spoke yeah. a lot about her character and also just like mm-hmm. the bonds that we were able to form back then, you know? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Because like we were in the, sh- she was in the shit in a different way with us. Like, you know, she was like in the shit where she had to deal with like drunk people and you know, yeah, whatever, where we had to just like, carry shit upstairs you know oh yeah dude and she was working like insane hours as well like you know uh, thursday through saturday you're there till 4 a.m with customers and then you've got Mm -hmm. you know whatever like the breakdown and counting the till and all that like she really cut her teeth man and it was awesome to see somebody that like you, you hate to see like nepotism where somebody who doesn't know anything gets put in a position of power. And you love to see like a story like crystal where it's like, she really, really put the time in and like knows what it's yeah. like to fucking, you know, be in the shit, so to speak. Yeah, man. 100% dude. I mean, yeah, like nothing but respect to people like that because that's the people that kind of like keep it going and, keep everything like fresh i think absolutely it's awesome to have but, an ally up there that like knows you know exactly like there needs to be more of that and there is more of that and we could talk about how many allies we have on another time but i want to get because we are already like yeah we're getting there we're, we're going but i want to get to the you know the options i sent you the six different things yeah did you pick two do you have any uh I know you have a celebrity story that's insanely cool, uh, but I I have a few celebrity stories. Do we want to go? Uh, yeah, let's let's go let's go road because I feel like we talked a lot of Webster. Yeah, Webster. Yeah, let's let's do a road celebrity story. We already did a lot of Webster. Like Webster, we know Webster's awesome, and yeah, yeah, we yeah. talk about the fun shit that happened there eventually. But let's go about the road because I think I know this story and I love this story. This is a good story. Um, yes. So. Uh, as I transitioned from two feet's lighting guy to his stage manager, mm-hmm. it like, it came at a really good time. Cause like we did that tour and then all he had was festivals. Right. Mm-hmm. And Paterno being like a, a genius mastermind was like, all right, well, if I'm at front of house, I can't help you. If something goes wrong on stage, you need a stage manager, all your mm-hmm. slots are super early. Like you don't need a, you don't need a lighting guy, which I wasn't. So I want now I'm his stage manager and like things are going really well and we're doing this fest called uh Bundenbury, I think. Oh, in Ohio, Bunbury. Bunbury. Bunbury, yeah. Ohio. Yes, that's Bundenbury is something else. Uh but yeah, so we're doing Bunbury in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh we're just kind of like hanging out in the back uh artist area and Post Malone's playing the same day. And Post Malone got the greatest job in the world where he's like paid to play beer pong. (laughs) And uh, so he shows up straight up with like a full beer pong setup, like more, more Bud Light than anybody has any reason to have. Um, 
<laughs> and so he's like, dude, all day he's he's in the sun. He's drinking Bud Light before his set. Like we go, we play our set. Like I come back, like he's still just, just playing pong. And uh, you know, like I try not to drink before he plays, but now it's like free game. The sun's still up. Yeah. It's like a beautiful day. We're on the water. Yeah, and uh, and he's done already, and then Bill is done. He yeah. made a set, right? Yeah. So now it's like it's hanging time, and I'm just kind of like in the area. I'm drinking, and I'm watching like Post Malone straight up just be a good guy. Like every Punisher that comes up to him, he's like <laughs> polite and takes a selfie and like all of this. And I'm just like off, kind of doing my thing on the side. And this like yeah, wasted college kid. I don't know like who he knew, but he was back there and he was like, yo, I'm going to challenge Post Malone to beer pong. Would you be my partner? <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, dude. No fucking way. I'm thinking like, there's no way this is going to happen, especially because like, uh-huh. I don't know this kid. I'd never got his name. Yeah. Um, and, and he's like, yo, Post. Me and my boy, we want to play beer pong. <laughs> I was like, all right. And I just, uh, I just bought in this uh, shirt. It was like a flannel shirt that my boys at American Dance Party sewn uh, like Powerpuff Girl blankets like onto the back, like a big patch. Oh, Dude, they do it with everything. Crazy. Check them out. That's that's my free plug to American Dance Party. All right. Yeah. Hell yeah. And Post Malone's like, yo, that's a really dope shirt. And I was like, yeah, thanks, man. He's like, yo, like if I win, like you'll give it to me. And I was like, okay. <gasps> what? <laughs> I didn't, oh my God. Yeah. So Post Malone like drops the gauntlet and I'm like, all right, oh. here we go. And I'm not a particularly good beer pong player. No, me neither. But like we're doing all right, and it eventually comes down to like one cup a team, and uh they won. And I walked over to Post Malone and I like took off my shirt and he's like, nah man, it's cool. And then Co- what? Yeah, dude. And then then Coheed and Cambria was playing. So like me and Post Malone were were singing Coheed and Cambria backstage at, at Bundbury. Holy fuck. That's and, and see, these are the stories where if you tell somebody like anybody in the in the regular, like the normal life that doesn't get to do that, they'd be like, you're full. This guy's such a liar. Like what? this guy's just lying. Like it's this. This can't be real. But obviously, like, oh, dude, it was every, like those things happen. <laughs> it was wild. He He's a cool guy. He gave me his number. Also true. Right. I, I texted That's him. Right. I texted him a time and he responded and then he's never responded since, which is appropriate. I have no business texting him. Um, yeah, but I bet, I bet you're not texting him. Like it's not like a bunch of blue or, or green. Cause you have, you don't have an iPhone, <laughs> but it's not like a bunch of like bubbles. It's probably just like two texts. And then it's like, all yeah. right, cool. Whatever. Uh, when his plane, like the tires on his private jet popped, I texted him like, Hey man, hope you're good. And then like, that was probably the last time I texted him. Uh, but yeah, dude, he was a really cool guy. And then after that, Bill was like, because I think we were doing like another festival that he was also playing like the next day. Maybe it was Gov Ball. Mm. And he was like, all right, like Builder, I need you to go up to Post Malone and I need you to uh, 
you know, like let's wage our uh, royalties. Like I'll, I'll give him a hundred percent royalties for 10% of congratulations or something like that. Something like absurd, Holy like, <laughs> like betting on fucking royalty checks, which I think would honestly be like the, the dopest, like silly, stupid behind the scenes music industry shit that could ever be done. But yeah, to be clear, that doesn't happen, and it's—I mean—that would be insane. That imagine the fucking fights that would happen if it was like, oh, okay, cool. Post Malone owns two feet royalties now, and vice versa. Yeah, or if like you know, if like you owned Post Malone's royalties. Yeah, like like really stupid high stakes gambling. <laughs> that would be yeah. Post Malone would have to just basically be work. He'd be working for you. Yeah, that's it. That would, that's how it goes. That would be a wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure it would stand up in court as well. <laughs> oh, 100. Oh, There's yeah. You would totally have a case. I, like, I beat him in yeah. beer pong, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> your Honor, I was the champion and he lost, and now he's not acknowledging it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, fuck. This was fucking awesome. We have yes, dude. A million other things to talk about eventually and it's gonna be fucking awesome but yeah man i'm stoked this was great thank you for having me man this was awesome dude of course man yo fuck yeah we'll talk soon we'll be texting hell yeah brother all right peace man stories and all access podcast is hosted by me danny del donuts it is produced by kenneth fletcher our theme music is storms by personnel learn more about what we are doing for the touring community at stories.net that's stories.net, S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S dot net.